On your feet, soldier. You took a pretty heavy hit there. <sighs> you got your bells rung badly by that blast from the moon rebels. <sighs> Don't worry. We can get you back up to speed. Here, listen to this. It's from the records on Earth. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures, overanalyzing manga, we find interesting. It's one of their Christmas episodes. It has to do with the adventures of Father Klaus in his battles against the Witch of Winter and the Pola Cola Corporation. It's not everything, but it should get you up to speed. Here they come again. I gotta get back on the front lines. You listen to the episode for the Moon Men! Ho 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 everyone and welcome back to the Overmonga Cast. My name is Sam. Uh, normally at this point in the show we would talk about our familiarity with the franchise that we read this week, but I doubt any of us have consumed more Klaus since this time last year. Does anyone want to contradict me on this? Nope. 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 Well, alrighty then. <laughs> if you want to know what we know about Klaus, go listen to last year's episode. It's a lot of fun. Uh, as for this year, I figure we'll dive right into it. And I gotta say, when I started reading our, like, prescribed segment this time, I was very confused. Because for as wild and wacky as the first bit of class we read was, it was very structured. It was a, it was a hero's journey. It started at the beginning and then told a story and then it ended. This yeah. one doesn't do that. <laughs> You've heard of in medias rays. Get ready for in saga race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's is, a good way of putting it. Th- this uh, um, this start is very reboot of Doctor Who to the point I'm almost thinking it might have been explicitly referencing that because it's almost the same story, like. Dude comes yeah. out of nowhere, crashing out of the sky, and says, like, Phew, I just got back from the Civil War up on the moon. You wouldn't believe what was going on in that crazy time war. I mean, moon war. <laughs> <laughs> sure was crazy. I was wrapped up in these moon chains, but now the warmth of the Earth has melted them. Precious moon platinum, as if that will mean anything to literally anyone. <laughs> I'm just saying, you could be going down on the moon. That's what's up. Apparently. Apparently. I want to know what's going on with the moon, because that is... I do, too! Klaus, you can't just tease can't. me with a <laughs> moon men in their moon war, and then just it's a long story me with it. Klaus has learned that the moon men should be left alone with their moon war. That is not a place for outside forces. <laughs> I don't know how much of this is is Grant Morrison like falling into habit and how much of this is Grant Morrison making fun of his own industry, like like poking loving fun at his own industry. But it really does feel like, holy crap, did I come in an issue 87? It's just weird that I feel that if we're just looking at planetarily, like if like literally we make references to Martians, Mars, other planets or whatever, but it doesn't have the same gravity of just saying I'm from the moon, the Earth moon. But the Earth Moon just seems like more, I don't know, captures a different type of, it's a different vibe entirely. We've been there. That's a place you can go. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't know. Uh, Something about this, uh, this 
average Joe dressed as Santa going to go deliver presents to his kids on Christmas Eve, only to find uh, their bedroom in tatters, the kids missing and the window flung open. Uh, him dealing with this uh, holiday drama, uh, only to have your boy Klaus show up and say, Jacked Santa. Jacked Santa show up and say, yeah, just got back from uh, being imprisoned in the core of the moon during the moon men's civil war. It's got the same energy as this is where I watched my parents die, Raphael. Cow a bummer. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's the exact same tone of the first Klaus was, man, what if we did a gritty superhero backstory for Santa? Like, this is the exact same thing. It's the nonsense you get in like, Anytime you read Superman where he just has to reference, oh, yes, in issue 67, I did fight the Kryptonians. But don't worry, I am only immune to kryptonite when it's a Tuesday or whatever. Like, (laughs) it it drips of superhero nonsense, which is made comedic by the fact it's Santa. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I say I'm not 100% sure if this is just Grant Morrison habits or if he's he's lovingly poking fun at the industry. Because the thing is, the thing that I really like about it is also that they actually do kind of they do kind of give a little bit of exposition as as in this is the first one after the last one you read. Because I do like the little the little bit of like not jokey, but actual world building where uh, Klaus is like, yeah, I used to uh deliver all the presents manually and then i got a bunch of helpers and then i uh pawned it off to the parents he puts it more nicely than that but that's basically how it plays out my favorite thing about this scene too is as he's like yeah i eventually got bored that and pawned it off to the parents population got too big and then santa cracks open a beer that he didn't stop anywhere in this house he either took the beer from the fridge or was just bringing a beer with him to go investigate these missing children you know what? I, mean, I believe you, it. You don't? You don't have a road beer when you're investigating missing children? <laughs> oh my god. Jack Santa just runs with road beers. He totally <laughs> does. <laughs> uh, it's not even gotten weird yet, guys. Nope. You know, just having a good night and then randomly, you know, Santa just pops in and pops a road beer. He cracks open a cold one. You don't know what it's like on the moon. The very terrified dad cracks a baseball bat over Klaus's head. It is not very effective. Yeah, turns out, you know, you can't just knock out Daddy Santa. You can't. Santa Daddy. Santa Daddy. God damn it. I'm not sorry. Dear, dear beloved listeners, can you tell that this comic is a little scattered and has left (laughs) us a bit scatterbrained? We get uh, caught up with, uh, yes, this is the same Klaus. It's the same continuity, except it's modern day now. Deal with it. We're moving on. Cut to children lost in the darkness. Yeah, they're in a they're in a closet somewhere, I think. Uh, not quite a closet. They're out actually like, they wake up like in a, a dark toy factory, like in some corner somewhere. They wander out into this factory floor where wooden men are coming to life and everything is uh, freezing cold. You know, the thing of nightmares. Yeah. 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 Freezing cold is a thing of nightmares. I don't know. I liked that part. Excuse me? Well, I hope the children don't like get hypothermia and die, but cold is nice. Well, conveniently, they're wearing full winter outfits. So, yes. Which is even weirder because they were snatched from their rooms, right? They're in bed. Yes. Look, this is not the biggest inconsistency in this <laughs> in this comic. Like, someone woke these kids up or or like forcefully changed them into winter gear. That's believable. Like 
<laughs> oh no, someone made a kid wear a jacket before they took them somewhere. That's, uh, wow. <laughs> oh, but uh, unfortunately, uh, as they're exploring, um, do we get uh, names for these kids? Uh, yes, Ben yeah. and Naomi. Yeah, so Ben and Naomi are wandering, and uh, the wooden men on the conveyor belt begin uh, rising up, and they're like, oh no, we messed up! And we get a cool villain shot silhouette but we don't see who it is and then we cut to santa flying over to my favorite line in all of klaus where <laughs> just expositioning off into the night sky he's just like lily this was our first workshop ruined and abandoned in the battle with the pola cola corp see that flash of light <laughs> and like they just drop a sentence in there. This is like, oh yeah, Santa built his workshop and then lost it in a war with a Polar Cola Corporation. <laughs> I saved this frame and I'm like, I I need to know when that comic's coming out. Little did I know <laughs> it was the second half of our reading. Stay tuned, listeners. But yeah, uh, uh, Klaus got even cooler because his uh, sleigh is not drawn by reindeer. It's drawn by big doggos. <laughs> yes, his, his sleigh is drawn by wolves. It's so cute and so cool. I love it. And then they all explode. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is why. No comment. Yeah, they get shot out of the sky by a cannonball. I'm... I'm pretty sure only Lily's immortal. <laughs> yes, only Lily is immortal. And do we ever get, so, is it ever get explained why? She uh, it, was it got explained there winter during spirits, the I think. I, I, I think the yeah. winter spirits that, that gave Klaus's powers gave Lily powers too. Yeah, I think. Those so. aliens that shoved the concept of joy <laughs> into his heart that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're they aliens? Three... I thought they were just earth spirits. Well, I don't know. They're, they're pretty definitively aliens after this one. So. I was gonna say they were they were pretty they were pretty definitively Earth spirits in the first one. It gets some weird cosmic <laughs> by the end of this. So uh, you, you hear, say hear pretty definitively. They didn't look human. They didn't look earthly, but they were like jellyfish things, right? Jellyfish are like earthly. They were they were weird. <laughs> Maybe they're seely. I don't know. Maybe they're underworldly. I don't know. You're, well, I mean, being from the Feywild isn't being from Earth, but whatever. Is it? <laughs> are you uh, saying Fey are not Earthlings anymore? I think they yes. have a bone for pick for that. Yes. Nope, they're otherworldly by definition. Uh, but still on Earth. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Klaus and Lily climb their way out of the burning wreckage of the sleigh and are attacked by a horde of icemen that they bravely do battle with. Klaus rips a burning tree out of the ground and baseball swipes the entire army. That is my favorite page turn in this entire read because it's the army closing in over like three panels Page turn, Klaus mid-swing with a tree, clobbering all of them. Clobbering time. If I had a complaint about uh about this, it would be there are that that's not one of the cases. It's usually uh, a situation with dialogue, but there are a couple of cases where page turns. I feel like a page is missing or something because they'll be they'll be talking about one thing and then the 
conversation will change between the page turn. But yeah, that's a that's a uh, a fun moment because uh, uh, Santa Claus has that super strength. Of course, everybody knows that. But uh, after breaking the ice, our uh, gremlin army, he discovers that they are in fact wooden puppets. But there's something familiar about them. It would be impossible, but only one man could have carved these figures. And then and then he gets a net. <laughs> no, my, my favorite line. He's, he's talking to himself about how only one man could have carved these, but that would be impossible. I know what you're thinking, Lily. When has being impossible ever stopped something from happening to us? <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Klaus. Thank you for just taking that whole lampshade and putting it over the entire volume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I love how the net the net he's just like oh no it's sucking my strength somehow and I have a vague idea from reading this why the net sucked his strength I'm not a hundred percent sure actually it sucked his strength because the plot needed him to go to the dungeon so he could uh, save the children save the children save the world Inter interspersed with this we get uh, cuts back to the kids I will say that the um, kids were actually pretty well characterized for how little uh, panel time they have you know it's nothing groundbreaking but they're but they're solid kid characters it, it was very 30 minute Christmas special level of characterization like you get an idea of who they are and they don't take up more space so you can get Santa beaten people up <laughs> yeah they don't yeah. they don't take up more space than they need to uh they're not the deepest characters in the world but they also don't need to be they're endearing children characters naomi is the older sibling is a little better because we didn't mention this but uh their mother died the year before so this is the first christmas without her and uh ben the younger sibling uh still has uh hope and innocence in his heart a little more starry-eyed a little more starry-eyed so you can already see where this is going as they are dragged before <laughs> they are dragged before the snowflake throne of the ice witch and her minion her vizier spoon liquor i looked this up i was confused no, i, no, no, I this was up. confused too what is he licking off a spoon because it looks like nuclear waste the remnants of stew uh, it, I, I actually do. stew looks like that. It looks like freaking like snot or something. I actually okay. do know about the Yule lads, so I was not as put off by spoon liquor as my co-hosts clearly were. <laughs> I, I I'm completely fine with the Yule lads and Jay. I do not appreciate you bringing them up to detract from the fact that I personally had to deal with when the panel came up a message from Sam that just said "mommy." <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll address that later but yes Sam that no, was very we'll address that right timed. now <laughs> that was very poorly timed Sam look I saw the snow witch and I just it, mommy sorry mommy sorry mommy do you regret your decision no yeah I don't know why you expected shame <laughs> Jay you know I commit Oh, that's so admirable <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, to the bit, yes. Spoon, Spoon liquor. liquor. He's he's the minion of the of the Witch of Winter. As is Sam. He he's he's there to he's there to chew the scenery and be evil. God, he he chews that scenery like he licks them spoons. He is the hammiest villain I've seen in a bit, in a hot minute. And exactly what this uh, comic needs. Because <laughs> when we cut back to Klaus, we uh we cut in on a rather dark scene. <laughs> Yeah, we do, because, um... It is a man 
who is blinking awake 90 degrees on the floor to a man standing on a stool and jumping off to hang himself. Klaus jumps to his feet, holds the man up, and is just like, my old apprentice, it's been years. I recognized your work out there. Page Geppetto. Geppetto! It's Geppetto! God damn it, Klaus, stop it! (laughs) Geppetto, can it be you? <laughs> this is so stupid, but I love it. This would be the equivalent of just Batman in just a Batman comic. He's just rocking around. He's like, wait a second. Are you are you Sherlock Holmes, the world's greatest detective? My word, are you the Batman? The world's greatest detective bar me? Oh my, we're such good friends. <laughs> it really is, but I kind of love it for that. I mean, Klaus is already enough of a, a Batman XP, to be fair. Uh, oh, he's he's Superman now. But, but yeah, he's yeah. He, he's Superman and Batman by the end of this. It's great because um, Geppetto is like, Father Klaus, you should have just let me die. <laughs> Geppetto, you should know that I'm Santa Klaus. So that's not how I that's not how I operate. No, you don't understand. Gosh, Sora, you should have just let me die. (laughs) (laughs) The important bit is that uh, Geppetto had been making an army for uh, the Witch of Winter. I think uh, the important I think the important bit is that he's replaced all of his body except for his head and heart with the same uh, magical wood carvings that the that the army is made out of so he is basically a cyborg he has to stay in the winter wonderland otherwise the ship of theseus problem just infects his mind turning him into a monster he starts melting away yeah klaus escapes their cell off page uh they just kind of walk out yeah klaus isn't in a cell though the i i think what happened was geppetto set him free and then was gonna kill himself out of atonement but if you, you see when he's with Geppetto, they're not in a cell. I think he was being dragged out. Just trying to give this as much benefit of the doubt as possible. <laughs> Which fair, yeah. Geppetto is giving all this exposition when Spoon Licker arrives in his uh, spoon mobile. <laughs> What's well, a shoe? It's his shoe mobile. Oh, that's right. It is a shoe. Uh. <laughs> I I love the fact that we get confirmed that how Spoon Licker got convinced to, uh, like, betray santa the guy the yule lads used to work for was the witch of winter promised him all the spoons he could lick i'm like that doesn't <laughs> that's it <laughs> he's very cheap but he knows what he wants and act licking spoons a promotion a car spoons all the spoons i could lick damn right if you dear listener haven't done the research and and thought the yule lads were just made up they're folk tales from i forget where but uh northern european folklore uh and Mm -hmm. like a lot of the stuff going on i i only know about them because they're the main antagonist of the christmas special of the sabrina netflix series anyway geppetto becomes old when exposed to flame Yes, because only his head and his heart are still organic, uh, preserved by the magic of the Winter Witch. So when he is heated up, he begins to melt away. Like a candle. Uh, Kind of, yeah. Yeah, because I'm just like, I understand the heat and the wood aspects of it, but why specifically, like, are his organic parts being aged through heat? It's it's the same logic as Cold Air, the Lovecraft story. (laughs) Yeah. It really, oh my god, it is, you're right. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of when the when the heat 
being a problem for Geppetto brought up. This is just cold air. I, I have stymied off death for so long. I should be b- but putrefacted liquid. Yet if I re- keep myself cold enough, then the Reaper, he cannot find me. Uh, Klaus is taken to the uh, Witch of Winter in Chains. The Hall of Santas. <laughs> Through the Hall of Buff Santas. <laughs> the Hall of Santas, one of which I'm pretty sure that's just Gandalf. <laughs> One of them is just a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, one of them is a dinosaur. One of them is Gandalf. One is straight up the ghost of Christmas present from a Christmas, I, a Christmas story or Carol. Yeah. Uh, you, you mean the ghost of Christmas past with the the wide open robe? That's Brian Blessed if he was a buff dude like <laughs> Father Christmas. Wait, wait, was it past that was the big buff guy? I thought that was present. No. Because future is just the Grim Reaper. Yes. Hold on. Pat. No one. Rem- no one remembers present. It's the big jolly guy that takes him to go see Tiny Tim. Yeah. Past is the little candle. That's right. Yeah. And then Brian Besson's like, "Hey, you're missing out on some cool ass parties, you old bitch." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. now that we've got our Dickens lore straight. Oh, oh man, is there a manga of a Christmas Carol? <laughs> <laughs> I I hope so. We should find it. <laughs> Listeners, yeah. if you know, send us an email over mangacast at gmail.com. Back with uh, this Christmas themed fever dream. Klaus is told to kneel before the, the Witch of Winter, at, at which point he just breaks the chains because he is. I kneel to no power. He, he's just Superman and Batman now, but Christmas themed. <laughs> and I love it. I like, like, that sounds like derision. It's not. I love it. Mm hmm. But don't worry, because this is a Superman story. It's not about, can I beat up this witch? It's, oh no, this witch has a hostage? But it's a little girl who is spurned on the magic of Christmas. Because Naomi has fallen into the witch's clutches. She's been she's been mind-controlled. Uh, and uh, a child losing faith in the spirit of Christmas saps Klaus of his powers, I guess. Super cliché. <laughs> I mean, that's yes. like child, child stories in Memorial. It's just like, you, you no longer believe in me. I'm dying. <laughs> Your lack of love is what killed me, you bitch. <laughs> that's at least how I think the never-ending story ends. <laughs> um, for the record, it doesn't, but whatever. If you listen to the title, it actually never ends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I love Neverending Story. Fight me. It is pretty great, but uh, that's not I what we're talking about. It is notoriously right without end, Sam. So I think yes. it's pretty different. Yes. Don't read the book, watch the movie. Uh, one of the things that I do really like is that the Witch of Winter basically never talks. She's either got spoon liquor just chewing the scenery, being a little goblin, or uh, making Naomi rant cold hearted. Is she ranting? I thought she was just literally choosing like the most poignant points to just say, I hate you because my mom died and I'm just told to get over it and I don't want to get over it. And also, I chose not to believe in Santa because it's just my dad. Uh, it, it's kind of rancy uh, y- you're right maybe i could have picked a better verb there but sh- she is spitting vitriol at santa because her heart has been hardened spitting, by better emotions daggers of ice right at the heart yep. almost literally spoon liquor because he's just a villain now i say now he he was always a, we, we were introduced to him like this um 
uh, he he's going over to gloat over uh, Klaus as the the wooden marionettes beat him up, uh, and it's Lily to the rescue, Billy Big Doggo. But in the act of leaping to the rescue, the Witch of Winter drives the frozen spike that she was going to put that she was going to put in Klaus's heart into Lily, uh, turning the dog into it, it's it's a real Game of Thrones moment. Uh, this is w- one of the few things I know about the later seasons where one of the dragons gets murked and made a nice zombie. Uh, Lily gets murked and becomes a frost minion, <laughs> but. Only for about a page, because for apparently... Like a page and a half. Because also, like the later seasons of Game of Thrones, you can just sing a nice story, and it makes the ending whatever you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Lily has some uh, husky in her, because uh, she sings the mind control away. Yes. Should it's the but, other way around? My, my favorite part <laughs> is that uh, Klaus starts singing the song while simultaneously doing an I know you're in there somewhere speech. He is singing and monologuing. <laughs> yes, because this is a Western comic. My man is most talented. People he sure know. is. But, uh, uh, like many like many things, uh, this doesn't really amount to much. It's just cool. <laughs> well, it, it fills up page time for uh, Geppetto, awoken once more to justice and courage, and the rest of the Yule lads to show up, rally to uh, save Klaus. Geppetto decided to lead the way by holding the torch, symbolizing that he no longer cared about the gifts the witch had given him. But also, there was no reason to hold the torch. It's not particularly dark in here. I guess it was <laughs> yeah. heat protecting them from the enemies, but it also just kills him next page. So I it's guess you dramatic. saved him from killing him. You saved him from killing himself, saying he shouldn't do that. For him then to kill himself. It's dramatic. To to once again to once again give the uh the comic the benefit of the doubt. To me, that reads like Geppetto had prolonged his life. Like, that isn't so much him committing suicide as him spending what's left of his life on something good. Because, I mean, like, again, it's sort of like the characterization of the kids. It's very basic, it's very tropey, but it does it does the job it sets out to do. The part that sort of weakens that angle is then Geppetto, with his dying breath, says, Klaus, look out for the monster she made me create. What do you mean? Smash! <laughs> There is a line I really <laughs> like where um, Ben is being rescued and he goes, wait, you're the real Santa Claus? I thought Santa wasn't, I thought Santa was fake. I thought my dad was Santa. He's just like, well, your dad's real, right? Seems like that answered your question for you. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of like, I feel like he could have been honest. Like, yeah, he's Santa by proxy because doesn't he get his gifts? Like delivered to then deliver to directly to the children. I, I think I think what this Santa is legitimately saying is it's like, nah, man. If your parents are giving you gifts for Christmas, that is the joy of the season. They are acting as Santa, so they are Santa. Like, yep, yeah, Santa's real. <laughs> like, your parents brought you the gift. That makes them Santa by proxy, which is pretty yeah, cute. Yeah, I like but that. I feel like he should have opened with that because I feel like this like did like some gymnastic moves in that poor young <laughs> child's brain. It, it it's it's all for the poetic metaphors, <laughs> which is all our boy cares about. But yeah, uh, with the with the uh, final battle approaching, uh, Klaus activates the the uh, buff Santa statues, 
defense mechanism because this is a thing that's happening now. He draws the sword of creation and turns on the realm defense mechanism. I I like how how I initially read this was I thought Santa had created these Santas as like toys to go out and do his job for him. But then what I find we find out in the second one is no, these were also just people who got Santa magic. Santa just has a bunch of duplicates of his friends in a closet that he can turn into war bots on a switch. And I'm like, ooh, buff Santa. That that's some Batman level like kill the Justice League nonsense. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It feels it's, it's the Agamemnon contingency. <laughs> uh, how long did you have that one saved honestly the last couple of seconds <laughs> <laughs> you people are a bad influence on me there's a big epic battle what happens with that going on in the background uh which uh sort of undercuts the next point i'm gonna make but i'm gonna make it anyway i'm not gonna lie the um the little heart-to-heart -heart that um, Ben and uh, Naomi have uh, about, you know, dealing with deal with loss and, and grief and such, it had a, it touched a nerve. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I felt that. It is simultaneously very heartfelt and very comedic because it's Ben and Naomi and Klaus interjecting here and there to, you know... Be, move things be, along move things along talking about you know loss and grief and moving on and every now and again there's a panel of epic battle it really is a bizarre juxtaposition just, uh, just to let you know that trans-siberian orchestra is still going hard in the background <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Ben is able to um, get uh, Naomi to uh, acknowledge her uh, grief, that it, it's okay that she still misses her mother and that, you know, that's that's it, it'll never go away, but like, it's about moving forward, not forgetting and all that sappy stuff that, mm -hmm. yeah, got me. Um, uh, but we uh, we still have villains to defeat, so uh, Spoonlicker uh, tries to uh, get in the way of this tender scene. And Klaus reveals that he his power comes from three runes: uh, joy, gift giving, and fire. And fire for some reason. <laughs> I just have fire powers now. Deal with it, and everything lights the. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, Jacob. If you knew the Santa lore, you'd know he comes down the chimney. <laughs> I like how I like how uh, his power coming from runes partially ties him back into the the myth structure of Odin. <laughs> Did Klaus hang for seven days, speared onto the Yule tree, <laughs> a sacrifice to himself for knowledge? Honestly, I'm surprised the origin story didn't do something like that. That's kind of the tone, isn't it? <laughs> he did die and come back with greater knowledge from the spirit world. So in a way, uh, the, the metaphors are jumbled in this and the symbology is a stew. But the fire immolates spoon liquor. <laughs> Klaus reveals that, uh, again... Very basic characterization, but I like that uh, Naomi doesn't want to cause any harm to the Witch of Winter, um, despite, you know, her being, you know, the inciting incident and all. Uh, but Klaus reveals that she is actually the dual spirit of both spring and winter. Yes, the blue lady and the green lady, I believe. And apparently she was mad because global warming. 
which had been mentioned in passing for about half a sentence at the very beginning of the story and never again up to this point. Where uh, Klaus was like, man, has it always been this warm at Yule time? I know I've been on the moon for a bunch of decades, but... Yeah. So, uh, there you go. Global warming bad make winter spirit evil take over Santa's workshop. Yeah, it, I think what my takeaway from this entire, like the first part of our reading was the fact that it just kind of boiled down some of the action where you thought it was going to be some, some big dynamic, like larger, well, larger narrative. I know it was a large narrative, but it was just like, it all boiled down to boil global warming bad. And it made angry. So build <laughs> army angry kind of thing. And it's just like, okay, there's no, I guess, I guess it's a tried and true trope that I just feel like has been overdone, I guess. Yeah. It just kind of ends. <laughs> I, 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 Some would say that the planet itself thinks global warming is a bit overdone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the ultimate theme is supposed to be, you know, the joy of Christmas time and uh, remembering the good and remembering the good times. It wasn't related to Christmas at all. It just happened to be, oh, yeah, it's getting really warm and it's supposed to be Christmas. And, you know, like you're used to like snow and everything, but it's like warm and it was less. The global warming was an excuse for a villain who yeah. also just so happened to be thematically resonant with the actual heart of the story. Yes, it wasn't necessarily like a larger narrative of like, okay, this is something that is cataclysmic to, I, I can't frame it in a way that is actually like, whatever, but it, it just came off as really cliche. And I was really like all gassed up for it to be something really dynamic and for her to like voice her grievances, that would be more than just, it's very hot. It's hot and I don't like it. I like <laughs> polar bears. Why do you hate polar bears? <laughs> because they eat children. They literally hunt and eat human children because they have a high prey drive. Human no. children? Human children. <laughs> yeah, yes, human children have a high prey drive. <laughs> <laughs> Look. They do. Have you met them? All I can say is they I do with the coat themselves in candy. Yes. Oh, God. Really, oh, really oh. is an indicative of a species that wants to prolong itself. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, uh, there's a metaphor in there somewhere. All I'm saying is the Witch of Winter did nothing wrong. Uh, New Ice Age when. Moving on to the next part of our reading. You turned the thermostat up too high and it makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to do an um. I'm going to do a villainy. So, Sam, she did cut down an enchanted forest. Yeah, they emphasized that multiple times. The entire, the entire enchanted forest. All of it. It's gone. Okay, but like, nah, you know what? I, I don't even, I don't even have a bit for that one. <laughs> you, know, you know, sometimes comic book villains can just be evil. They can be mad yeah. for reasons that are completely reasonable. But like, her whole deal was her winter persona was kind of a jerk, and that when like winter ends, she softens into spring, and then it's just like. Yeah, that kind of sucks. That's that's the first part of our reading, folks. Did they actually solve anything though? Because he basically said, oh, "Yeah, that." Yeah, they, they they killed her. Did they kill her? They just made yes. her assume a different role. Like she evolved. They they killed well, her, but she was she dies born. and comes back again. Yeah, she comes back as the spirit of spring. So yeah, they just they just kind of kill her and like 
yeah, don't do this again next year. Bye. That was Where's very it? confusing. I'm just like, so wait, you're basically not, you're not changing anything. You're just saying that's very inconvenient and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but they, they, killed <laughs> just... they, they killed her. They killed her. That's what they did. <laughs> now, as long as no one kills the spring woman to turn her back into the winter witch, we're fine. Yeah. Sam. Why are you looking at me? Stop. Stop. Hey. We know, we know you like winter mommy. So I'm just saying. Audience, we got we to gotta talk to Sam about some things. So how about we take a quick uh, break and we'll be right back. Um, hopefully with all four of our hosts. I don't need an intervention. <laughs> this, this is an intervention, Sam. No. And welcome back to the show, folks, uh, where last we left our hero, we actually had a pretty neat bow tied on that story. Eh, bow, it's a, it's, a, it's a present joke. Uh, but thankfully, we did two parts of this segment of the story. Various one shot. I'm not sure. Either way, we've got a new tale to talk about. Which and boy, what a tale it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> now we're getting to the weird one. This is the weird one, guys. <laughs> it's got my favorite character in maybe anything we've read Ooh. ever. Mm. I also like Lobo from uh, Superman, the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it is time for Klaus and the Crisis in Xmasville, where we start with uh, an average American family on a road trip. Uh, I think it's like July. <laughs> yeah, it was something that was. No, it's it's August. <laughs> ah, yeah. it is August, and yet it is snowing. And they have found their way to a town not on the map. They found their way to Xmasville, where everyone is Santa. It's it... just as weird and creepy as it sounds, and it plays it that way. It's really weird. <laughs> Billboards advertising Pola Cola, and nothing else. Uh, I gotta say, when I, I flipped to this page and I saw the Pola Cola billboards, I was like, oh yes, finally the Pola Cola Wars! <laughs> we have a narrator for this bit, and the family is very lost. No idea where, where they are or why it's snowing. The dad gets out and, and asks to borrow a telephone. It, it's important that they are going to uh grandma's house for her birthday yes because it kind of draws off the trope of i'm visiting grandma or someone for the holidays mm -hmm. but no it's just her birthday it's in august he's able to uh get the phone call out and it's at that point that the town of santas decides to kidnap the family after he's already made contact with someone so that the plot can happen well they kidnap him as well yeah i know i i love it because he goes into the gas station, borrows the phone, uh, starts leaving a message for grandma, and it cuts to the view of, like, a, a security camera, and it's the Santa's closing in on him, and next panel, the lights have gone off, and he's being grabbed and dragged away into the darkness. You'll make a fine Santa. 
It looks like something out of a zombie movie. You can join the others for basic training. Yeah, what was what was with the Scottish accent randomly out of nowhere? What was with anything in this? I don't know why Dark Santa is the most red-blooded Scotsman to ever come out of the land of the locks. Is he supposed to be like the Highlander? Like, what's going on? I think so. Actually. I mean, he's Lobo. He's Lobo from, from the Superman comics. See, that's where I'm left out. <laughs> it's it, it. He's literally, like, he looks like Lobo. He has a motorcycle that looks like Lobo's motorcycle. He's literally just Lobo. <laughs> but he's extremist Scottish. That's a lot of it, you bastard. It's so weird. To be fair, Lobo does have a very famous Christmas special. Uh, comic so that could also be why it's just lobo yeah i i believe he hunts santa claus i think if i remember correctly that sounds about right the rest of the family is taken by the zombie horde of santas you put that into work in the factory with the rest of the women it is the children we be after creepy but cool i guess we're i guess we're doing this now well he also says childer yeah childer it's the child He's uh, either extremely Scottish or extremely German, or I don't know what he is. I was confused by the use of the term childer, just because it made me think of, like, people who produce children. So I thought he was just going after the mom at that point. That's right. He's also a vampire, so we should be giving him a bad Transylvanian accent. I'm, I'm just very confused. This, this, this scene, I know how short it is, you know, in-universe, but it just perplexed me. There were just too many accents going on and just, I don't know. I don't know. I think the German accent fits a little better because we <laughs> then, at the end of this page, see a bunch of Santa's goose stepping while he's in yep. the shadows going, much, much, much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Very that is confusing. the thing that happens. Very confusing. <laughs> I think they were just trying to get across that he is somewhat foreign, I guess. He, he's some kind of... Eastern European fascist warlord. <laughs> you know, a dime a dozen. With a Scottish accent. Jay, what happened was Graham Morrison got sent a letter saying the last villain with that global warming angle was too relatable and like really just complicated the spirit of the season. Can you just give us a negative villain? Like, oh, so you want a vampire Nazi? We can start there. We then cut to uh, Grandma. <laughs> Grandma uh, shooting her festive flare gun because this is Team Fortress 2. <laughs> it's it's going to get way more Team Fortress 2 in a bit. Don't you worry. And uh, Cla uh, Bat Klaus appears. <laughs> this is probably the most Batman that uh, Klaus <laughs> has been this entire time. And that's a high bar. Yeah, she shoots the flare, and she's like, they missed my birthday dinner, and they've never missed that before, so I knew something was wrong. You gave me this back, you gave me this in 1931, said if I ever needed help, I should shoot it. But I never think thought the promise would hold this long, Klaus. I always keep my promises, Kate. No one's called me Kate in, since I was a little girl. It's just mom or grandma right now. Also, can we go back to the fact you gave me this gun in 1931 and I didn't need it the entirety of World War II? <laughs> <laughs> nope, we're not going to talk about that? Okay. Nope. Look, may look, maybe she was just a civilian. <laughs> look, we've got a, whole other, uh, we've got a whole other war to get to besides the World War, so... Uh... This family is very Americana, so I wouldn't... I wouldn't be surprised that a woman in the 
30s on the home front just in a factory or something you don't need santa for that also more importantly i just realized in the panel where she's talking to klaus about how she's just called mom or grandma right now there's a small like reasonably sized photo of her entire family and then hung up on the wall as if it was a giant portrait is her as a little girl with klaus oh my god i never noticed that <laughs> i didn't notice that one on my read through <laughs> right there. you think you think it would come up more often that uh Grab whose man you were with right here. He's the one who gave me this gun. <laughs> That's why they're so dedicated to uh, celebrating her birthday. They know she's in good with uh, <laughs> the big Chris Kringle. But yes, this is absolutely the most Batman that Klaus gets, particularly the title uh, panel for this particular story, because it is him walking across the roof with his cape flaring out in the like jagged Batman way. <laughs> <laughs> Grant Morrison, ladies and gentlemen. It's just Batman, but colored red with a sword. Yeah. We cut away from Klaus going into uh going into his mission to uh meet with uh one of the man brothers from Team Fortress 2. <laughs> it's literally just Redmond Man! <laughs> it's just Redmond Man from Team Fortress 2. And his grandson, my favorite character. <laughs> Your boy, Millhouse Q for quality partridge. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know why, but him just saying his name was Millhouse Q for quality partridge made him my instant favorite. I, I love Millhouse because he's he's a greedy corporate guy, but the entire time he's just like, yeah, and we're going to make tons of money with Pola Cola Town. It's going to be great. And then meanwhile, his grandpa's like, did I ever tell you our family were Nazis? Gramps, shut up. I'm trying to reconstruct the man. We were much worse than Nazis, actually. Oh, I'm going to continue telling us all the horrible shit we did. Gramps, please stop. <laughs> we collaborated with evil space aliens from the negative side of the universe. We and this is where you lost me, where he's just literally like, we're worse than, like, well, worse we than Hitler. We feed them children. We're space weapons. Look, I'm trying to revitalize the company here. I'm not here for close encounters of a third kind. Can, can we get back on track? Like, he's literally saying stuff like that. It's so good. He, look, he may be a scumbag businessman, but he is a scumbag businessman with standards. Standards of I'm not going to adhere to bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Standards like the Joker beating the shit out of Red Skull. <laughs> uh, I'm yeah. I may be a criminal psychopath, but I'm an American criminal psychopath. But yeah, this is this is where we get introduced properly to uh, Lobo. I mean, Nega Santa, and uh, we we learn about and get uh, some flashbacks to the war between Pola Cola Corp and Santa Claus over the legal rights to the existence of Christmas, I think. It was a trademark dispute about the image of Santa Claus that caused the Pola Cola Wars. I love this comic so much. Super capitalism. I love it. My father, Agamemnon Partridge III, and I fought him to a standstill. They're in tall boys straight out of dishonored like come on gramps gramps this is this is dumb let's just make money selling soda 
You're telling me Santa Claus is real? Klaus is real, all right. The siege of Santa's workshop lasted 40 days and nights. Where's that comic? <laughs> just, just the insane ramblings of Redmond Man. He's, he's got uh, strong number two from Austin Powers vibes. He's just like, Dr. Evil, we could just make millions of dollars not doing super villainy. What you're doing is actively less profitable. <laughs> I want to do evil. <laughs> it gets weirder, by the way. Wait, we, we, we trade kids and it gets this complete corporate ownership of Christmas as a concept. You don't, you don't hurt the children, do you? Uh, that all depends on what you mean by harm. The brats are transformed by the process, and uh, that I won't deny. In truth, it makes the little ones better adapted to the grown-up life. Follow me, I'll demonstrate. No, no good explanation has ever started with, it depends what you mean by hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Define harm. Ugh. Oh. And then, and then we see the space worms. Uh, oh yes, the space they're, worms. They're they're just the Mego. <laughs> this, this is well. This is the, this is the Cthulhu mythos. They're the Mego. Uh, Klaus, upon seeing Mega Santa's rad motorcycle, sticks Lily on Mega Santa, only for him to catch her in midair and bite out her throat. Draining of her, her of her lifeblood, because in case it wasn't obvious, Mega Santa's a vampire. That was not obvious. That was not obvious. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he is he is a Nosferatu ass vampire. He's a vampire vampire. Okay, dear listeners, if you haven't watched the Castlevania anime on Netflix, you really should. But have you been like, have you been under a rock? I am judging you right now, listeners. I can't remember her name, but you definitely know who I'm talking about when I say the big lady in the day armor. Ooh, yes, I do know who you're talking about, Sam. Nega Santa is her, but a dude but Lobo. with a giant, but Lobo. Oh, God, why? <laughs> uh, and uh, I believe it, it. it's at this point, whilst uh, Klaus is getting beaten up by totally not Lobo, is the point where Redman gives explains the rest of his plan where he's going to turn a bunch of people into Santa sleeper agent assassins that he, that that are going to be sent to malls across the world and then suddenly activate and start attacking people and then the Pola Cola copyright Santa will will defeat them and everyone will fear the other Santas but love the Pola Cola Santa profit I guess. <laughs> Activate order twelve twenty five. Oh, as if there weren't enough references in this already. I like how um, Mega Santa does the whole pose of um, Bane breaking Batman over his bat, like uh, yeah. like like he's about to. And I'm like, didn't that happen in Klaus? <laughs> I forget if Klaus got his back broken. Now that I'm saying that, I think something similar. Yeah, I think something similar happened to him. I honestly can't remember. But yeah, he's he, he's actually yeeted down a cliff. Much worse than that, he's yeeted out of the flying saucer they've been in this entire time. We can't allow the Santa Claus to live. We made the mistake of not confirming the body back in 31. Oh, Sam, you can't skip over your your boy Milhouse's best line. It's like, ouch, did um, 
did we just kill Santa Claus? <laughs> I I really didn't sign up for this, Gramps. I just want to make money. What? <laughs> this only gets weirder and weirder. <laughs> he lo- he looks like Archie Andrews uh, trades trading on Wall Street. Oh my God, he does. <laughs> He's got some strong Jimmy Olsen vibes too. Oh my God, he does. Yeah. Oh my God, he does. <laughs> Actually, wait, I just realized. Uh, Redmond Man, because we don't actually get Gramps' real name. Uh, I can only assume he is Agamemnon the Fourth, but... He does say his name. I don't remember it. It was He's... like Orville something, something, something. I don't remember. But he does Orville say Orville Redenbacher. <laughs> I, I, like, I like how Satan worshipping uh, humanity defying Gramps is totally team keep Christ in Christmas. Except he's playing on the other side, so he's like, we deliberately called it Xmas, so that it can only be ours. <laughs> I'm like, Gramps. <laughs> I don't, he he says that uh, we need to we need to confirm the body. We that was the mistake we made back in thirty one. Thirty one, the same year that Klaus gave the flare gun to to Kate. I think it was thirty six that 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 the flare gun was. No, it was it was 1931. It was, it was both of them. Oh, it was 31? Huh. I can only assume that the Partridge family went and defeated Santa in a grand battle and assumed that he was dead because they didn't check for a corpse. And Kate dragged his battered form out of the rubble and nursed him back to health. And that was why he was forever in her debt. Honestly, with this series, I'd buy it. Honestly, with this series, where's that comic? I'd read it. Yes, Klaus has been yeeted out of the spaceship. Thankfully, there's another one for him to go to. Snow Maiden, the assistant of Grandfather Frost, uh, teleports to Klaus to uh, bring him and Lily to just the bat. It's the bat cave. It's just the bat cave. Like, it's not even <laughs> close. It's just the bat cave. Uh, there's literally Grand- a Batmobile. <laughs> Grandfather Frost's workshop. It's the Bat Cave. Just call it the Bat Cave. Don't fight it. We get that the injury to Lily was a fake out death, which that was the only reason I was okay with that because that was kind of obvious. That yeah. was gonna that was gonna be the way that was going. Otherwise, I would I would have had words. Me too. I, know, I also would be upset if he had to replace Lily like he has to replace all his other dogs. <laughs> we Wait never a minute. See any of those bodies? Let me live in this denial, Matt. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, I just noticed something. I'm looking at I'm looking at the page with uh Grandfather Frost right now. That's Malonier. Oh my god, that, he's Thor. That is Malonier just sitting right there. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> what is this windows? I, I'd be more concerned about the like half dead posed Soviet Union automaton behind him, but we can we can focus on Mjolnir. Yeah, USSR Atomic Robo over there. God, I, I love Atomic Robo. Can we read Atomic Robo? Maybe. That'd be fun. Next time on the Cast, except not actually next time because we have plans. Wait a minute. Oh my God, it makes perfect sense that it's a, it's a Soviet Union robot because the only people who remember Grandfather Frost are Russian. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They do make that joke. This gives Klaus and Lily a chance to recover. Uh, Lily's a little bit too badly hurt, uh, hurt to return to the battle. So Klaus and uh, Snow Maiden uh, go and instead snow maiden with the with the staff of uh grandfather frost don't break it it's my only one it was, it's cold it's smelted of- dream silver the sky people only ever made one 
<laughs> that is the most exalted shit I've ever heard. <laughs> the most exalted shit is what happens immediately afterwards, where, like, Father Winter or whatever shrinks himself down into a tiny person to go inside of Lily's mouth to heal her from the inside. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that... Yeah. I will yeah, declare right. single combat on the virus within you. <laughs> Fight me like a man. He, he really... Oh my god, is, is this is this literally just a, a Christmas-themed exalted campaign turned into a comic? You know, honestly, I buy it. No, because it's good. <laughs> You're objectively wrong. Uh, okay, Sam didn't like this. <laughs> Exalted is good. Just because you have bad taste doesn't mean it's not good. Sam, as, as oh. we said over the break, you have bad taste. <laughs> uh, look, we, 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 still have, we still have more uh, crazy comic to get through. Uh, Continue the personal attacks. No, we have to finish <laughs> the episode. <laughs> So there is an entire like stormtrooper army of Santas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Santa and no maiden. She is a granddaughter of Grandfather Frost. Because Father Frost is currently on the moon dealing with that civil war that we still haven't Again, seen. Again, it'd be happening on the moon. That the moon really is popping. Yeah. <laughs> And it's just, we've had questions about who Nega Santa is, and Klaus just, and like, as a audience insert, um, Snow Maiden just goes, well, who is he? And Klaus just goes like, my own dark reflection, my opposite from a world of opposites. I he's want my, him to see me. He's my twin from the upside down world. Okay. Witness me! Okay, I don't know if this is just talking about the Jungian shadow, or if this is just Bizarro world. To answer your question, given all of the lore that I understand, that is to say none, from this insane series, yes. The answer is yes. It is both the Young Yin Shadow and Bizarro World. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Immaculate. Well, so, the army of the beast is led by him from the dark shadow of our moon, which is called the Black Moon from which he holds a stone of space and time that gives him control over these men. Uh-huh. I, too, have played Elden Ring. But he, he, he turns into a vampire werewolf uh, super beast form and launches himself at Klaus. Yeah, we go back into the narration for this bit. Klaus is able to get the upper hand, but uh, Nega Klaus turns in... Nega Santa turns into werewolf. <laughs> a, yep. a vampire werewolf. Super monster. That uh, that uh, Grandfather Frost staff of winter that he has, that there's only one of that you shouldn't break. Uh, he proceeds to break it. Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on. Jay, I have to ask. Your thoughts on this super vampire werewolf? What do you mean my thoughts on it? It's an abomination. Okay, there you go. Thoughts received. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, how I feel in general about lycanthrope. This just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, me, noted fan of werewolves, and Jay, noted fan of vampires. Yeah. <laughs> and Nary the two shall meet. So when this happened, it was <laughs> it needed to be destroyed. Klaus uh Klaus equips the uh the broken pieces of the staff to give him plus one attack and uh uh super <laughs> effective damage against the werewolf. 
Yes, because it, the staff was made of dream silver. So breaking it into a jagged stake, one might say. As I understand, what then proceeds to happen is because he stabbed evil Santa, that is loosening evil Santa's power. And Santa had the power of the moon, which allowed the ship to get so close to Earth because as it was happening, he, he was like lessening its gravity. He was making it light enough to like be close to Earth without being dragged in. The second he loses focus on that, the ship suddenly tilts to the left and crashes. <laughs> oh, and then Millhouse, my boy, as like the giant spaceship they had summoned starts crashing goes like see this was really dumb just sign the company over to me we'll make a bunch of money it'll be okay he's like no you you dumb boy you don't understand i won't live to see another xmas why do you think i told you all of this you need to kill santa i, I just want to make money grips no my dying breath kill santa kill santa kill kill, kill santa you must be the inheritor of my will as he's as he's coughing up blood into the uh, ventilator. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's weird. It's, it's really weird. It, like I can only laugh because it's comedic in how cheesy it is. I I love how these two characters just never meet clowns. <laughs> yeah, like my my favorite bit, my absolute favorite bit is after uh, not Lobo super vampire werewolf is staked with a piece of dream silver, Klaus rolling like 15 successes on his feet of strength check lifts him over his head and in the exa in a, an exact mirror of the pose from earlier in this uh, story hurls not Lobo from the, the spaceship into darkness while also simultaneously getting on his sleigh pulled by wolves, grabbing up all the children and all the innocents, and yelling, On Dasher! On Dancer! On Donner! On Blitzen! Ho ho ho! Riding out of the vortexing, swirling black hole of despair! And uh, and then the narration says, and that's the end of the story. Goes on for another page or two, but that's pretty much it. Exodusville by Charlotte Bright. Yeah, the the girl of one of those three kids that got kidnapped is writing the comic that is. I, I guess it's a book, actually. Nothing indicates yeah. to me that it's it's whatever. So she's doing a signing for her Christmas story, and at the like signing, someone comes up and is just like, "I have a gift for you." It belonged to your grandmother. It's yours if you ever need me again. And she's like, huh, wait. Oh. And then just sees a gun. And is like, oh, well, better run out in the street and say who got this. It's like, her name was Kate. And I'm like. Yep. That said I, entirely for the audience because that was only the second time the name had ever been mentioned. But like, it's not like the person said her grandma's name. <laughs> so yep. she doesn't. Yeah, that was said entirely for the audience if you didn't pick up the subtext. Her name was Kate. Can I just say, the cover of Xmasville is an absolute banger because it's this, like, negative space silhouette of Lily howling at the moon. There's the sleigh in the background. There is a, a 
like splash and a pool of blood and like it, it's a banger cover <laughs> like i i want this to be real so i can put it on my bookshelf yeah as a dog it is therefore superior uh but uh but with that that brings us to the end of our reading this uh this holiday season yep <laughs> so everyone um favorite character uh I already said that my favorite character was Melhouse Q for Quality Partridge, simply because <laughs> he's Melhouse Q for Quality Partridge. Yeah, like I, I am, I am a fan of the straight men characters. You know, the yeah. guy, the guy who looks at all of the insanity happening around them and just goes, "What the? F-? You know, and- this is stupid, right?" <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Milhouse just spends his entire time doing that. Well, and, and there's something so weirdly charming about him trying to do the very, very mundane evil of just being a corporate overlord while this existential extraterrestrial evil is happening around him. He's like, can we just simplify this down to just being money grubbing bastards? I just want to be a Monopoly man, not a Galactic Overlord. That is pretty great. It's so weirdly, it's weirdly endearing. He's just so dumb with, done with all of the, all of the cosmic stuff. Uh, Matt, how about you? Favorite character? Uh, you know, similarly, Millhouse is pretty cool, but I got to go with Grandpa Partridge. I love how he's got, the, this meeting goes entirely off the rails because Grandpa just has like basically dementia war flashback to the Pola Cola War. And it's just like, did I ever tell you how much I hate Santa? I've always hated Santa. We sold children's souls to aliens to buy guns so we could kill Santa better. And I'm just like, what? He just goes further and further. And it never matters because he never interacts with Santa. I know. <laughs> Yeah, and it just comes off as, like, he doesn't elaborate in any form or fashion, does he? He can't! It's just, like, a rant of, like, this is everything we did. Our sins, our family sins run too deep, Bar. Don't you know? Those aliens, they don't just want the flesh. They want the jaw. They want imagination. They smoke it like a cigar. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That is a direct quote. Yes. And literally, his rebuttal is just like, how about we just not do that? Like, we don't have to. I swear, I won't sign over this company to you unless you promise to kill Santa Claus with my dying breath. And I'm just like, so either you're not either. If you're dying right now, you're not signing it over to him. Like, like that's too late right now. And um, he clearly doesn't want to go along with your plan. So there's really no incentive. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, but gr- Grandpa Grandpa Partridge is amazing. <laughs> Indeed he is. Uh, Jacob, how about you? Uh, my favorite character is Lily, because Lily is a dog. Statement. All right, and Jay, your favorite character? Well, for the sake of not tying with Jacob, I'll say Klaus, because Klaus is his. <laughs> Klaus is pretty top tier. <laughs> uh. All right, and... Uh... Our our next question, uh, favorite between the three Klaus stories we have read so far. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good one. You know, it, it like I said at the start, these are very different beasts. I feel like the two that we've talked about tonight, they're their own category compared to the previous story that we did. 
all the same, I think I I think the the Polo Cola saga <laughs> has to be my favorite. Yeah. Just because it's it's got everything I love. It's got angry Scotsmen. It's got werewolves. It's got Lovecraft aliens. It's got defying cosmic fate with the power of joy. It, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I got to side with you there, Sam. It's, it is a concentrated mess of me never really knowing what's going on, but you're not supposed to. It's just a wild ride you buckle yourself into and you're like, oh God, holding on for Santa fighting Nazis. Oh no, it's even worse. They're aliens. No. <laughs> exactly. If you synthesize the plot down to that, yes. I think it really tracks the fact that you and Sam both like this because it's the same reason that I couldn't get into like what was it? What, what was you read? Like six billion demons. The same reason. Demons, it was just yeah. it was just too much. <laughs> too much. Which, which is which is extremely based right now, by the way. Yeah, Klaus is doing the same thing, but comedically kind of making fun of that. It's just like because it's easy to make fun of because that's not an enjoyable experience. Ah yes, my old war friend, Richard Nixon. <laughs> it's like that Kingdom Hearts level of comedy of just like I'd go into battle with you anytime, Goofy. <laughs> well, Sora, it sure is great that we could fight the Heartless together. You should have let me die. <laughs> uh, Jay, your favorite of the stories we've read so far. No, just because so we already know my first thoughts about the first part of our reading for today which it was i was all in for, because i kind of it was kind of hedging on the idea that it was going to be a larger scale war against something that would have been maybe more central to a certain ideology or something and then it kind of boiled down and fizzled out to just being global warming which while crucial my point is just that it's been overdone and it just feels kind of simplistic. It's also not narratively satisfying to everything that had happened up to that point. Yeah, so I guess I was going to say, like, that would have been my top choice. But just because of the way that it kind of just left a sour taste in my mouth, I would have to go with I would have to go with our original reading. The, the first the first segment that we read last time. That is fair. And uh, Jacob. Um, so I kind of have two answers for this one. Uh. The one that I think is the the one that I think is the best written of the three is the origin story, just because it is cohesive. Um, but the mo the one that is uh the most enjoyable, so you know, strictly speaking, my favorite is going to be the madhouse that was the uh Polacola war story. It's hard to call it a good story, but it's very, very fun. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. I think that is the best way to put it. Uh, so this particular segment of Klaus did uh, World a, lot, building. a lot to expand the lore. I, I'm putting verbal question marks on all of that. <laughs> Mainly because. Look, Grant, Grant, my homie, my G, I need to see this Lunar Civil War. Give it to me. Take us to the moon. Please. We need to go to the moon. Take me to the moon. We completely skimmed over when it's referenced in uh, Crisis of Xmasville, um, because uh, Grandfather Frost is just like we could ask Father Christmas and um, oh, uh, Sinterklaas 
to help, but they're they've been on the the moon fighting in the moon war. They haven't come back yet. I wonder if something's wrong. And Santa's just like, well, I guess right? it's up to me. What's going on in the moon? I need <laughs> to know what is happening on the moon in the universe. Evil Santa is from the dark moon. Yeah. Apparently, again, the moon is where it's all the stuff is happening. I guess also Earth, but I mean the moon. The Klausverse moon has taken up an unhealthy amount of space in my brain for the past, uh, like, week. Also, I, I want to skim over, we skimmed over why they made a deal with aliens and got into the trademark war with Santa was because they weren't just fighting for Earth. They were fighting for the intergalactic trademark on Christmas, mm -hmm. which I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means that Christmas is an omniversal concept and it must be controlled. I'm glad we're all on the same page. We need to get to the fucking moon. We need to find out what the hell is going on. Yeah, I, I was. What is up with the moon? I was gonna say that kind of that kind of uh, answers the last uh, question that we have. Uh, would you continue reading this version of Santa's wacky adventures? So long as it takes me to the moon. <laughs> I think there's one more, isn't there? Uh, I want to say so. I I don't know, but um, yeah. I I have loved this. This is, if anything else, it is concentrated Christmas nonsense. And this time of year, ooh, it's so nice. Nice, uh, oh, yeah. nice glass, nice glass of eggnog, a nice warm fire, and a nice, well-bound book of Klaus, top tier. Phrasing. I think I said this last year. Uh, I have added this to re-listening to Oxhorn's Christmas for Geeks as my holiday tradition. Yeah, this is this is this is a perfect nerdy fun Christmas time nonsense and great new tradition. Indeed, indeed. <sighs> and thank you so much, everybody, once again for listening to the Over Monkey Cast. Merry Christmas and happy holidays and happy New Year to everybody. As always, remember to follow us on all of your social medias, where we are at Over Monkey Cast. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, I'd say Twitter, but apparently it's against TOS now to promote other social media platforms. But uh, and hey, with the holiday season coming around, if you ever feel like uh, dropping something in our stocking, uh, we appreciate reviews of any and all forums on Podcasters of Your Choice. Uh, Apple Podcasts is really nice. Uh, and you know what? I'll make an exception to my usual thing. Five stars, please. We've been good this year. We don't deserve cold. We have been. We've been good boys and girls this year. Indeed. But we could always not. I want you to remember that. <laughs> Maybe something might push us over the edge. <laughs> There's another part of our fandom that might actually prefer that, so watch out. Look, we have we have threatened some very terrifying things in the past, and a couple of them we've gone through on, so you know we can. The choice for evil lives within all of us. You think I will make five calls to jump Cody to make Sis Confidential a real thing? I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Oh, and remember to tune in next week, everybody, when we are going to be doing our best of 2022 to round out the year. Indeed. So, um, you don't have any, uh, reading homework. Congratulations. It's the holidays and good night, everybody. Good. Good night, everybody. Good night. Wait, Sam, did you, did you remember to move the elf on the shelf? Did I? Oh my God, there it is. Oh God. Wait, I didn't move mine either. Sam, Sam, I think they know. They know? It's been a pleasure podcasting with you guys.
This new ah! technology. <laughs> this is why I've always said, never trust an elf. Elf here is burning out an open fire! <laughs>